Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions, and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. Hi, this is Professor Chapman. Recently we've been doing some Facebook Live sessions where I've been answering questions from the listeners and participants. What you're about to hear now is some audio of those segments and I hope they'll be useful for you. If we had a question from Teresa, yeah. um, she says, I'm a bit overweight, it's been difficult to lose weight. Do I need to lose weight before the egg transfer? Having got embryos, um, they're, a, they're a good quality because that's probably where weight is the more important fact that we, that we know that women who uh, are overweight, and I'm talking now about BMIs of 35 plus, so that's, you know, that's 100 plus kilos, we know their egg quality is less and that fertilisation rates are slightly less. So, But once you've got the embryo, probably weight doesn't make a lot of difference. It may make a difference in the pregnancy once you get pregnant in, the sense, in terms of thing, getting things like high blood pressure and diabetes in pregnancy. But in terms of success of uh, embryo transfer, weight probably doesn't play such a major part. Um, I mean, in terms of weight loss, how overweight you are, how old you are, and how soon um, you want to get pregnant. Uh, Certainly there are now, well, obviously there's bariatric surgery for the very obese, although we were put off doing IVF for six or or nine months because of the metabolic changes that come with that big weight loss that accompanies that surgery on the stomach. There are also some um, newer injectables that seem to work well in terms of weight loss, but they need to be given by experts in the field. There are bariatric clinics in most major cities. Uh, Certainly we at St George have a bariatric clinic which has a physician who deals specifically with those uh, medications. And the success rate is very good and and it doesn't appear to have quite the metabolic impact uh, that the surgery has. So, you know, if you do want to lose weight, think about those what are the possible side effects or issues one should be aware of in terms of IVF treatment and is it going to worsen my condition? Not sure which condition they're referring to. IVF, you know, there are now something in the order of 5 million IVF cycles a year done around the world. So there's a lot of data out there with very large follow-up studies because as a treatment uh, in the, you know, my early days, it was really experimental. We didn't know what the impact was of giving high doses of medication to produce high levels of estrogen as we produced large numbers of eggs. It was a unique situation. But we now have 40 years of data on those patients because we, because it was experimental. People have been watching it incredibly closely. There are many PhDs, many research papers, people's careers made around just watching the effects of, of IVF on women's health in the long term? And the answer is there is no problem in the long term that we as yet have found. 
the areas that we were most concerned about um, was um, because we're stimulating ovaries, would we increase ovarian cancer? There were some early studies uh, in small groups of patients that suggested there might have been a slight increase. There are countries around the world like the Scandinavian countries who for the last 50 years have collected data on every person that's had any medical treatment on a big computer base, something we've never reproduced in Australia. But that's what that's allowed them to do is do linkage studies between cancer registers and previous IVF treatment. And what have they shown? They've shown no increase in ovarian cancer, a slight decrease in uterine cancer and bowel cancer. That's interesting and that's probably because infertility, not having babies, increases your risks of those two conditions. We don't understand the mechanisms, but you know, that's, that's a, a fact. So IVF has got a clear bill of health from that perspective and with breast cancer the same because, uh, again, breast cancer is more common in women in their 60s, 50s and 60s if they haven't had children. Treatment that leads to children actually minimizes, reduces your risk of, of breast cancer. Now, overall, the data looks like it makes no difference, but uh, certainly it is uh, pretty clear there's nothing for us to be concerned about. And as I say, it's one of the most uh, researched areas of IVF, uh, the long-term side effects. In the short term, every IVF cycle, like any operative procedure, has a very small chance of problems. When we stimulate your ovaries, they get swollen and, you, and that swelling can cause discomfort. It also predisposes the ovary to twist and potentially cut off its blood supply. So about one in a thousand cycles, we end up with a twisted ovary and, and having to untwist it or even remove the ovary. But you know, one in a thousand is a very low risk. It's a similar rate of risk to infection, which given we're, we're putting a needle through the vaginal wall, which we can, the vagina we can never properly sterilise, it's surprising it's as low as it is. But about one in a thousand women end up having a pelvic infection as a result of IVF. We're also going through the vaginal wall with ultrasound guidance, but ultrasound doesn't tell us about the small blood vessels. So it is quite possible. In fact, we we probably almost every every IVF egg collection, we perforate one or two little small vessels that cause bleeding inside. And that uh, results in pain over the next 24 hours or so, but it goes away. Very rarely, large bleeding can occur, particularly in women who have a um, a bleeding tendency. I've certainly had two patients with quite severe bleeding. And when we looked more carefully, those patients actually had a predisposition to bleeding that had been missed up till that point. They're fine. They, they ended up in hospital for a couple of extra days, but it's rare that it happens. Again, we're, you know, we're in the one in a thousand type category. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. 